Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Hi, friend, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. We certainly appreciate so much each and every one of you who listen to us. We'd love to hear from you. So if you wouldn't mind, take a moment and just send us an email. You can email me at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, that's hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. It's a great joy today for me to have here with me recording Peggy McMillan. Peggy, welcome to Hope Along the Journey. Thank you, Mark. It's a joy to be here today. Peggy is uh, working at as a volunteer at the what do they call it? The Great Homeschool Convention? Yes, sir. In Cincinnati. And so she came up this morning here. I had to I, I had to offer you donuts. But <laughs> yes. When I said donuts, that worked, didn't it? It did. That got me up here <laughs> as early as possible. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. She's from uh, Carmel, Indiana, grew up in a small town, which is now a booming town of Fishers, Indiana. She uh, has attended Colonial Hills Church since she was six months old. Wow. You've been there a few years, haven't Just you? Just a few. Just yes. a few, right. <laughs> I'm going to let her tell her story about how she, at an early age, made a profession of faith, but then how later on Christ really transformed her life. But she attended Heritage Christian School. She also went to Cedarville Bible College and received an education degree. She's been a teacher, a pastor's wife. She's a homeschool mom of three, homeschooled for like 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what what I love is, is the fact that your husband, you married your choir director and Sunday school teacher. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I literally ran off with my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> That's awesome. And so she's just a lady who's worn a lot of hats, and she now is a volunteer for Compass Finances God's Way and works with them as a volunteer, and she's going to be telling more about some of the teaching resources that they have available for children. But again, Peggy, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to kind of go back and let you, first of all, share your story about early childhood, church, uh, faith in Christ. Tell us, Give us your testimony and tell us how God worked in your life. Oh, I'd be happy to. All, all glory to the Lord. He um, allowed me to grow up in a family that cared about going to church faithfully. Um, my my mother and my grandmother, my dad went occasionally, but um, we were in a Bible preaching church from the time I was six months old, and I heard the gospel many, many times. And there was a point when I was around seven where I would cry every time the invitation was given. And I didn't really understand why. And finally, one day, my mother said, did you want to go forward? And, and I said, yes. And I walked the aisle, and someone greeted me there. But I honestly don't remember anyone opening a Bible and showing me how to trust Jesus personally or asking him to be right. my Savior. I just remember, maybe they did, and I just don't recall. 
but there was not a heart change at that time. Um, people told me that I was saved, so I believed that I was. I was a really good kid at church and in Sunday school. I won awards in Awana for memorizing scripture, but at school, I was a completely different person. I did whatever it took to be liked. Right. I swore. I was disrespectful to my teachers. I was just horrible. I was a horrible kid. And I knew in my heart that things were wrong, but then I would still share the gospel with some of my neighbors. So I and tell flannel graph Bible stories yeah, to my to my dolls and to my neighbor <laughs> kids. So it was really an interesting, mm-hmm. you know, dichotomy sure. going on in my mind. And in seventh grade, uh, my parents sent me to Heritage Christian School. And after being there just a couple of months, we had a speaker from Life Action by the name of Del Fazenfeld, who is now with the Lord. And he shared a message called Phony Balonies. And he said, some of you have faked being a Christian for so long that everybody around you is convinced that you're a Christian, but you know in your heart you're not. And he said, some of you have faked it for so long you faked yourself out. And you have thought that you're a Christian, but if you search your heart, you have never truly repented of your sin and asked Jesus to save you. And I knew he was talking straight to me. And that day, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I had a little five-year diary. I went home that night and wrote, today, I know absolutely, positively, for certain sure that I am saved. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And you said it kind of, you told me earlier that almost like a school revival kind of broke out. Yes, sir. It was. There were many, many students who were saved those two days and some who really got their hearts right with the Lord. And for two days, we didn't even have class. We just shared testimonies testimonies and sang and prayed and it was a wonderful moving of God's spirit in our school. That's that's beautiful. You know, you you I want to explore this just a, a moment with you, you know, because I was very similar to you. And now I didn't start attending church until my parents were converted when I was 6 years of age. But I know what that is to be like in the eyes of the church people, you know, Mark's a good boy, Mark's a good Christian. And you learn how to fly under the radar. Absolutely. But at school, when I went to public school, I did the same thing. Cursing, swearing, dirty jokes, mm-hmm. you know, trying to fit in. And yet everybody knew I was a church boy, mm. supposedly. But when I was 17, then I was radically converted. And really, that was the point when Jesus became Lord and saved my life. My question to you is this. You know, it's both good and bad. There's like the pro of being raised in that Christian influence where you, like you said, you could tell there's plan of salvation in the flannel graph, but the same token, it it just becomes a cultural thing rather than a heart, real heart transformation thing. How do you think we as parents can make sure that our children and our grandchildren get more than just the cultural aspect of growing up, quote, Christian? That's a wonderful question, and I think we all battle with that. Um, a couple of resources that have helped me, Ted Tripp, Shepherding a Child's Heart, yes. and one I'm reading now that my daughter recommended actually called Show Them Jesus. And it's really a great book for parents, grandparents, and anyone who teaches children in the church. And it's all about going for the heart. It's all about taking them back to the gospel. I think we stressed, I think my reason for as a parent, I wanted my kids to be good because it looked good. It it reflected well on me. And when they weren't, and I was screaming at them in the foyer, I mean, it's like, who am I fooling here? And 
they need to just be taken back to the cross. If we show them, you can't do this. You can't be good. Mm -hmm. Only Jesus makes you good. And I think that's where our emphasis has to be. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. In fact, I'm going to look into that book, Show Them Jesus. Show Them Jesus. I've got to find Mm -hmm. that book. I think that would be great. And make sure it gets in the hands of my my children who, by the way, as we're recording this, I'm getting ready to have my fourth grandchild. Isn't that exciting? So uh, in a moment, I want to talk about... the subject we want to discuss about finances and about how that came to be such a, a critical matter in your life and marriage. But before we do that, I want to thank Ryan's Auto Sales for sponsoring today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. Dwight Ryan, my good friend out in Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, has a great car lot there, a wonderful selection of used cars. He's a great Christian man and will do you a great job if you're looking for a car. So just go to their to their website, rhinesautosales.com, and look at their selection of vehicles and get in touch with them, and they'll do you a great job. So again, I want to thank Rhines Auto Sales for sponsoring today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. So Peggy, back to your story. You told me a little bit about this earlier, but tell about tell about those early days of your marriage and some of the financial struggles and some of the things that kind of go back, I think we're going to go all the way back, in fact, to when you were out in Arizona. So tell us about some of that and how that led you to where you are today. I'll be happy to. We um, we lived in Arizona for seven years. My husband pastored a mission church and then an existing church mm-hmm. for a few years and then believed that God was calling him into a law career. So he went back to school, and we went to Northern Arizona University. In the meantime, we had our first child, and I was working in a hotel. He was working full-time, going to school full-time. I was working 50 hours a week, and we didn't want anyone else raising our child. So we worked very hard to have her only have a sitter five hours a week, but consequently, he and I did not see each other. We would meet at the door, he'd say, here are the keys, and I'd say, here's the baby, and we just, and we almost lost our marriage. Wow. And we got into great financial difficulty, and um, such that when he was finished with the degree, we just decided, he said, I'm never going to go to law school because I'm not willing to lose my family over it. And we moved back to Indiana to be closer to our families. My dad was in failing health. And so we moved back and um, that was a great decision. Um, But over the course of the years, I did not handle our finances well. I, I knew some biblical principles of finance, but I did not apply them. And he was underemployed for a while and we really, really struggled financially It was difficult because we only had one car, and I had to struggle with contentment. I had to struggle with just accepting my circumstances because my children couldn't have what other kids had, and that was very difficult for me. But God used that to teach me to rely on the Lord to provide, and I know that he used it to teach our children contentment. And one of the things, I'm actually doing a workshop this afternoon at the homeschool convention, and one of the things I really want to stress to parents is that no matter where you are in that financial journey, you can teach your children to do it differently. I did it all wrong. 
but we can we can change things for the next generation by using the principles of God's word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. I didn't I didn't prep you for this. So, but I think you probably can answer it. So you you mentioned, you know, I knew what some of those principles were, but I wasn't applying them. Do you think where do you, where do you think the breakdown was? Do you think cuz I don't know that it was a matter that you weren't willing but do you think there was like the practical hands-on of how do you take the principle and put it into practice? What do you think, where do you think the breakdown was for you? All that is years? a wonderful question. I think some of it is just a matter of obedience. Okay. It's difficult to do without. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to overspend and Absolutely. it's easy to justify it because I'm doing this for my child or I'm doing this because everybody deserves a, a meal at McDonald's every once in a while. I work my head off all week long and, you know, That's right. we, we justify those things. Um, some of it is, as you, I believe in most marriages, you have a spender and a saver. Yes, I believe And um, I think it's difficult when the spender is the husband and the saver is the wife because I can't tell him what to do. And I certainly don't want to paint a picture of my husband as a a frivolous spender. And he worked very hard. It certainly was not all his fault. (laughs) But we weren't really on the same page with finances. And we didn't communicate very well. And it got to the place where I think the answer to that, Pastor Mark, is getting some outside help. That's great. And if you can find someone in your church you know, get some resources. We would recommend the ones from Compass, of course, right, right. just money and marriage God's way and some other, re- uh, the money map, get an emergency fund, get a spending plan, get, um, get a debt payment snowball going, but you need some outside help. Find someone in your church who can walk along with you yeah. and hold you accountable to that spending plan. Because, Husbands don't want to listen to wives, and sometimes wives don't want to listen to husbands. And if you have a third party to help with that, I think that's very, very helpful. And that was very helpful to us. Yeah, and that's very insightful because I do think you're right. A lot of times you have the spender and the saver, or you could say more of a a free spirit. Yes. You know, my dad, my mom was a saver. My dad was a free spirit. My dad, it was said of my dad, if if Bob had a dollar, you had a dollar. Ah. You know, and he would spend his last dollar with you and on you. They tried to run a, a, a business one time and miserably failed because my dad would give things away to his friends. Just give yes. it away, you know? Mm-hmm. But that was, the, his strength was his weakness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to realize. And it could be the reverse too, is a person who is the saver can be so tight mm-hmm. that they, you know, that they need that charitable part or that enjoyment part. But I love the idea of getting a third party involved. What do you think, uh, again, what do you think sometimes we're hesitant to get that coach? Pride. Pride. Yeah. Yeah, I I was hoping that's what you're going to say because I think that's the big thing. And I think especially for men because God has created them to be providers. And if they have to go get help, they feel like they're failing. That's right. And sometimes wives don't help because if they're nagging or if they're, they're not responding respectfully, Um, you know, my sister-in-law at one time, my husband wanted to take over part of the finances and I was afraid 
to let him do that because I thought he's he's not good at recording things. This isn't going to go well. <laughs> and and then my sister-in-law said, well, just take all the time you used to spend doing the budget and paying the bills and spend that time in prayer for him. And I laughed at her. Yeah. I went, yeah, right. My children will have no shoes. This is not going to work. And then I thought about what she said, and she was exactly right. And that is what I did. And I just spent time in prayer for him. And there were some rocky spots, but he became much more financially responsible. And then he said to me, you know, thank you for letting me do this. Because if if you always do it, you're bailing me out and I don't have to be responsible. That's and right. I think wives sometimes take on responsibilities that God never gave us because we want to control like, you know, back to Genesis 3. Yeah. And so I think by doing that, later he came to me and he said, you know, you have more time to do this and you're better at it. Why don't you become the bookkeeper again? And he kind of gave it back to me. But that was a really good yeah. time of learning for us. Yeah. It's, and this is a journey. I think, too, it's, you know, it's like my, why do I call my po- podcast Hope Along the Journey? Because life is a journey. Working toward financial freedom is a journey. Working toward whatever is as of any value in our lives takes time, and it mm-hmm. is a journey. So, tell us a little bit about the ministry that you're involved in with Compass um, Finances God's Way, and then tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what we, you have to offer for homeschoolers or for Christian parents in general for their children. So tell us a little bit about the ministry. Absolutely. Well, we have a lot of great resources for adults. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're familiar with um, Compass or with um, Crown Financial Ministries, Larry Burkett, Howard Dayton, if those are uh, Ron Blue, if those are familiar names to you, we're kind of an extension of those same ministries. Um, Rob West has a program on Moody called Money Wise Live, and they use a lot of our resources and have Howard Dayton on as a guest. So they're kind of all, they're not all the same, but they're kind of all connected. And um, Compass, you know, we sell a lot of resources for adults. So there's a money map that is very, very helpful. There are books, there are small group um, Bible studies. Um, there are marriage resources and just excellent. And compass one, the, the number one compass, the numeral one dot org is the website. Okay. So they could, that's where they could, uh, find those resources. Yes. That'd be great. What we're doing here at the homeschool convention is something that I learned, um, is as excited as I get about seeing adults uh, change and grow and be transformed in their handling of finances, how much better to teach these principles to our children their entire lives so that they can avoid all the messes that we made. I think there, there are some couples out there who really have it together with their finances. They've been taught well. They're doing a great job. I'm going to say the percentage of those is pretty small. I think most families struggle. I think you're right. And so. so let's take that pressure off our children 
by teaching them while they're young. So Compass has some children's studies that are absolutely wonderful. We have um, the ABCs. Um, that is for kindergarten through third grade. Okay. We have The Secret, which is fourth through seventh grade, and then a teen study called Discovering um, God's um, Finances, God's Way. Right. And that teen study we've done in a homeschool co-op setting, right. um, it, it, and you can do it at home, and it's just wonderful, practical information. And the, the principles that are taught are the same, in all three levels. So they learn that God owns everything, that we are stewards. They learn about giving, saving, spending, honesty, contentment, counsel, and avoiding debt. And we start wow. young yeah. teaching them to avoid debt. Yeah. You know, the yeah. little jars or piggy banks that you see where we have one for saving or one for giving first, one for saving and one for spending. And it's just really important to teach them, okay, how much is you, this thing that you want, whether it's a toy for a younger child or a bicycle or a, an electronic device or a new phone mm -hmm. for a teenager, how much is in your jar? And if there's not enough, mom and dad are not going to float you. You cannot have it until you have the money for it. Now, we'll give you some extra chores if you want to help earn it. You know, we'll help you earn it, but yeah. we're not going to hand it to you. Well, you know, and that's, I think that's part of the problem today, too, is, is that we parents, we think somehow we, we want to be the best parents, and the best parents are going to give everything to their child their child wants. Mm. And, you know, it's, I say today's parents, you know, they, they used to be the helicopter parents where they just hovered. Today you have the bulldozer parents who just try to remove every obstacle out of their child's way Absolutely. and make an easy path for them, but they don't learn that way, do they, Peggy? No, chapter and verse. Find that in scripture. It's mm -hmm. not there. No. What you find there is hard work. You yeah. find that those who work hard are rewarded mm -hmm. and for their labor. And I think that's really important. And one of the key issues is is teaching them to live with contentment. Yes. And so in my workshop today, for instance, I'm going to tell people that you start with modeling. Mm -hmm. They have to see you applying these principles. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you have to instruct them. And you need resources for that. You need something in their hand. And that's why we sell these resource these children's studies and they're very inexpensive. And it's a great way for the child looking up those scriptures themselves. They're seeing these principles are not just those from a smart financial guy or from my parents. These are God's words. Yes. And yes. long after our voices have stopped speaking into our children, God's voice can still speak to them. And then the third aspect is to coach, because at some point you have to transition and stop being the authority who expects obedience to becoming the counselor who gives guidance. And you have to let them fail. You have yeah, to let do, them make you? foolish spending choices, because if they don't learn it with the little things, they're going to mess up with the big things. Yeah, and I think that is so important. And again, it goes back to what I said, but as parents, we want a bulldoze path. We we always want to have the safety net. We want to catch them. and But we're really not, like you said, we're not doing them a favor because if they don't learn in these smaller matters the pain of unwise decisions, then we're setting them up for much more devastating decisions down the road to make. 
Absolutely. And it's hard for it's hard for us to, to take that coaching position, isn't it? It is very hard. Yeah. It's very hard. I think especially mothers and sons, we just, oh man, we want to control them. <laughs> we want to control them. And, you know, I think every family, God, my friend used to say, God had to give us our son because if all I had was these two near perfect little girls, I would think that my parenting had something to do with it and I'd be miserable to live with. <laughs> so the, but on the flip side of that, as a dad of four daughters... Yes. It's like, I know what it is because I always want to bail them out. Yes. And I want them to fix every problem. Now, I don't want to be, I'm not trying to stereotype anything, but as a rule, a lot of times we are just fixers. And so, you know, you see your daughter in need, well, let's just send them some money and fix that rather than letting them struggle Mm -hmm. and figure out on their own how they're going to replace that deep freeze or dryer or washer because they have had no slush fund or savings. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. Boy, to bail them out and you might be doing the worst thing in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they, Mark, they have to learn to trust God for those things. Yes, they do. And I think that, that the biggest thing that we did right, in spite of all the things that we did wrong, and here's where the hope is for your listeners, mm-hmm. that in spite of everything we did wrong, we taught them to pray. We taught them to depend on God. And because of that, this is, this is the end of the story from my perspective. My kids are now 33, 29 and 26. And they all paid their own way through college. Mm -hmm. We did not give them a dime and they are all married and debt free. You mean they're all functional and you they're all functional adults. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And again, you're just, you're just, pla- you're just knocking down all these straw men arguments that people have that they feel like, again, they have to provide all of this. The last thing in the world is to let their child struggle mm-hmm. or to let their child learn some hard lessons. But again, we're not doing them a favor, are we, Peggy? Well, that caterpillar, that, ca- that butterfly is never going to come out of that cocoon yeah, right. if they don't have to struggle to get out. They'll get out, but they won't be able to, they can't, if you help them, they can't fly. And that is exactly what we're trying to do with our children. And the other thing about the contentment issue, because we struggled so much, because they learned if they needed clothing, we prayed, we didn't go buy it. We asked the Lord and he provided. So when my daughter was at Moody, she faced a semester where she did not have any funds for the next semester. And I said, Abby, what are you going to do? Are you thinking you're going to stay out a semester? Are you thinking you're going to ask a family member to help? You know, she knew she couldn't get it from us. And she said, you know, mom, I could do that. But I know, I believe that this education is a good gift from the Lord and he's going to provide. I'm not worried. That's beautiful. She was absolutely confident that he would provide. She stuck it out and he did. And like I said, they're all, they're all debt-free. The other thing about the contentment issue is that I now have three adult children who could live in a mud hut mm-hmm. and be perfectly content. If we really we say we want our children mm-hmm. to do whatever God wants them to do, and if we make their life so comfortable that they would never be able to function mm-hmm. in an inner city ministry or in a, on a mission field That's where right. they have nothing. 
they're not going to be able to do it. We have to prepare them for that. If we really want them to surrender to whatever God has for them, yes. we have to we have to teach them to do that. Yeah. And Paul said in Philippians, I've I've had I've been in want and I've had plenty, but I have learned, keyword is learned, yes, sir. to be content in any of those states. I've learned to be content. And I think and and we could get into this and maybe some of the time we can talk about this, but I think social media Mm. has dealt a devastating blow to our contentment. And I think our kids and our moms and dads, everybody is comparing themselves among themselves, which is not wise. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we're left out less than or something. And so therefore we're creating, we're allowing this discontentment to just be amplified and created in our lives a lot through social media these days, aren't we? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, there was a time when my son, um, we wanted, I wanted to have some of his friends over and he goes, Oh mom, don't, we don't want them here because we don't have, there's nothing to do at my house. And I said, your friends don't like you for your stuff. They like you for you. And so they came over and then they were looking for stuff to do. And well, let's play with your, your game set. Well, we don't have a game system. We don't. And he was like, and, and the one friend said, this is a boring house. And my son <laughs> looked at me like, see, mom, I told you. Well, that was hard. Yes. That was very hard. When, yeah. when you're in the midst of that, it is very hard. But I just want to encourage you to hang in there and just, somebody asked me in the workshop yesterday, how do you do that? How do you teach them that contentment when their friends have more than they have. And not just the world, but their Christian friends. Right, That's what was yeah. hard for me was other Christian families who had more than we had. Yes. And I said, the only thing you can do is take them back to God's word and spend time in prayer and say, we are going to be thankful for what God has provided for Amen. us. You may need to take them downtown or take them to another country and show them that they have more than three-fourths of the world's population, even if they have very little, Yes, and just build that contentment into their hearts. Wow. Well, Peggy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You've just given a tremendous wealth of information, and thank you for being vulnerable and telling your story and about your family, and God bless you. And we'll have you again sometime, Peggy. Oh, that sounds great. Right. <laughs> thank you. And listeners, thank you so much again for joining us today for today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. I trust that you'll take what you've heard to heart and that you will look up some of the resources that she has mentioned and that you, if you're in financial trouble, that there's hope for you, look for a good Christian financial counselor. Call somebody in. It'd be well worth the investment and to get things in order, start taking initiative to work with your children and getting them, get some of this material in their hands. God bless you today. As I always say and mean from the depth of my heart, Jesus truly is the hope of the world. If you look to him, you will find hope along the journey. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about hope along the journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.